This is Loudspeaker. Hey there, I'm your host, Sarah Menares, and you're listening to the We Podcast, where together we find inspiration, encouragement, and growth through stories and real talk. Here we navigate the messy human experience together. We raise our voices and speak our truth. In this space, we value the conversations that broaden our perspective and help us fully understand that we are connected, we are capable of growth, and that we are not alone. Are you ready? Let's get real. You're listening to episode number 98. In this episode, I get to talk with Juliet Sakasagawa. Juliet's an empowerment coach for life, business, and relationships. She's also a certified intuitive eating counselor and Reiki practitioner. Juliet is passionate about helping her clients in a variety of areas. She can help you create a life of joy and fulfillment, reduce stress and overwhelm, enhance your relationships, discover more peace and calm, make peace with food and your body, move into the next chapter of your life smoothly and easily, or discover a new life or business of your dreams. In this episode, we really focus on intuitive eating. We talk about the principles of intuitive eating, but also the real life application of the principles. We really zone in on diet culture and the detriment that it brings to our bodies. It's all about listening to ourselves and getting reconnected with our bodies. This is a wonderful episode that really challenges our way of thinking. At least it does for me. (laughs) So hopefully it does for you as well. But our way of thinking when it comes to food and true acceptance of ourselves. I can't wait for you to listen. Here we go. Welcome to this episode of the We Podcast. I am so excited to have the amazing Juliet Sakasagawa here with me today. We are going to have a really important conversation that I'm actually really, I've been waiting for. I didn't know it like consciously, but now that we're doing it, I'm like, okay, yes, this is something I've been waiting for. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thank you. I've been waiting to talk to you about this too, I think. So I've been hearing you talk for a while. You're a writer for the Wee Spot. We're also in a mastermind group together, the We Aspire. And so I've heard you talking for quite some time about intuitive eating and what it means, what it's about, but more your heart behind it and why you want to help people in that area. For me personally, and I'm just going to put this out there from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I think at first I was like very resistant to it. Usually when I have a resistance to something, it's something that I'm like, okay, I need to figure out why (laughs) Mm -hmm. because there's always something deeper when there's a resistance, right? Mm -hmm. So last week you did uh, 10 days on your Instagram of the 10 principles Mm -hmm. of intuitive eating, which Mm -hmm. was so helpful. So I am leaning in to this 
It's something I need to learn. And I feel like something many people need to learn. And there's a lot of undoing and a lot of unraveling that comes with intuitive eating. So I know this is a big topic. Where do you think is the the best place to start? Oh my gosh. I mean, you just said a whole bunch of stuff that I want to respond to. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) So the resistance, what I think is so interesting about the resistance is that intuitive eating is about coming back to your own wisdom, your body's wisdom, listening to your body, knowing your body and how, and you know, so many people are resistant to this idea and, and I'll, I can talk about why I think that is, but it's like, what is, what would, could possibly be wrong with listening to ourselves, right? That's what we should all be doing is listening to ourselves. And for me, big words that come up around intuitive eating for me are freedom trust. And when I say trust, I mean trusting ourselves, listening to ourselves. And I, I completely hear the resistance and so many people are resistant. And many of my clients, I mean, I, I mean, I have resistance too, because it's really hard. But when you really come down to what it's about, it's like, what is wrong with listening to yourself, right? Oh, well, in our society, in our culture, we're kind of taught to resist listening to ourselves. We're taught to listen to the outside, right? We're taught to listen to everybody. I mean, in this case of intuitive eating, it's diet culture, but really this could be expanded to like anything in our lives that we're just, we're trained and taught to listen to the outside and not listen or trust ourselves. Yeah. I have some definite ideas of why I have been resistant to it. And I wonder if that's the same for other people. But before we go there, I'd -hmm. love for you, can you breeze through kind of the 10 principles so people who are listening can have a better idea of what we're talking about? So first of all, let me back up a little and just kind of define intuitive eating. Um, Intuitive eating was developed by two registered dietitians in the 90s. And they wrote this book called Intuitive Eating. Their names are Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. They were working with clients on diet and nutrition and all of that and realized that what they were doing wasn't working and then developed intuitive eating. And intuitive eating is a self-care process. Process is a huge word there. It is not, there's not like a destination. <laughs> it's a journey about coming back to yourself about we are all born able to listen to our inner wants and needs when it comes to feeding our bodies, but we lose that through our lives and because of a lot because of a lot of things, but primarily diet culture in this case. So intuitive eating has 10 principles. And just to be really clear on that, the principles are not rules. So one piece of this is actually letting go of the rules that we have. And so the principles give us freedom. They don't give us restriction. The first principle is reject the diet mentality. The second principle is honor your hunger. The third principle is make peace with food. The fourth is challenge the food police, which is about letting go food rules. Five is discover the satisfaction factor. Six is feel your fullness. Seven is cope with your emotions with kindness, which is my favorite one. Eight is respect your body. Nine is movement, feel the difference. And that one is about moving because it feels good and not moving because you're trying to change or modify your body in some way. And number 10 is honor your health with gentle nutrition. All right. Those are the 10 principles. Awesome. Yeah. 
So hardest ones, probably first, let's start off with rejecting the diet culture. Yeah, I think I told you last week, I keep saying over and over, I'm rejecting diet culture. I'm rejecting diet mentality mm-hmm. because it is so ingrained. Like as soon as you bring that into your awareness, I think it's like, whoa, it's everywhere. Yeah, it is. And it is so important to reject it because you cannot move forward with this process if you are attached to what diet culture tells us we need to be and what we need to do, which is lose weight, right? And which is be in a small body. And that, and diet culture tells us that healthy equals a small body. And Mm -hmm. diet culture tells us that if you're in a bigger body, that equals unhealthy. And the truth is there are people in in larger bodies that are healthy. There are people in smaller bodies that are very unhealthy and everything in between. There's a movement called Health at Every Size, which is also the title of a book written by Lindo Bacon. And it's an excellent read, Health at Every Size. But the concept of health at every size is that it doesn't mean that everyone is is healthy at every size. That's not what it means. But it means that it is possible for a person to be healthy at any size, right? Like a person could be in a very large body and be a very healthy person, have good blood pressure, have good cholesterol, be able to run a marathon. And a person could be in a very small body and be ill. So we just Mm -hmm. have to let go of that, those beliefs that we have that have been really ingrained in us that I need to be a certain size in order to be healthy. Mm Mm-hmm. I grew up with seeing my mom do every diet under the sun. You know, I remember so clearly her doing that. I think it was called like the HCG diet. Do you remember that? I've heard of it. It was like giving herself shots and only she could only have 500 calories a day. So she was literally like eating apples and chicken all day. That's like all she could eat. And maybe not even all day. Maybe she could only have it once a day. I don't know. It was that's starving herself. She was starving herself. Yeah. And giving me diet pills when I was 17 years old. It when I <laughs> I look back, I'm like, damn, I wish I had that body still. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. Like not not thinking at that age like that I needed to change my body. Like it started so, so early with me. And I think that it does with so many people. Do you think, you know, we're kind of coming out of this generation too, where the infomercials and all of that were so prevalent and there was just so much. So it's, yeah, that's what I was talking about was so much undoing to be had. So much undoing. Yeah. So much undoing, but it's really coming back. It's like coming back to ourselves because like I said before, we were born with this knowing and we've lost it. We've lost the knowing. So we have to undo everything that was done so that we can come back to ourselves. So many people are on diet after diet after diet and they might might lose some weight. So they feel like, oh, that was successful. But there's actually research that shows that the more you diet, actually, the more then you gain weight and you gain more weight back than you had, than you started with. So many pe- people are on this up and down and up and down and up and down. And you know what they think is that I keep failing. 
I keep failing at my diet. What's wrong with me? And the, the truth is, there's nothing wrong with them. The, the diets are failing them. They are not failing the diet. The diets are failing them. And diet culture is failing all of us. And diet culture is an industry, makes a ton of money on the fact that they're banking on the fact that the diet isn't going to work and you are going to have to purchase another thing and pay mm-hmm. again. You're going to come back to, I don't, I don't want to say the name of the company, <laughs> but you're going to go back there again, right? You're going to pay your money again and you're going to mm-hmm. go to the meetings or whatever, or you're going to buy the next book or the next whatever that's happening because diets are failing because they don't work because diets don't work. There's an organization I keep going back to over and over. Right? And I have in my mind, this is the only thing that works for me. Yep. So I will, I'll just say openly, I'm not happy with where I am with my weight. I haven't been for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have honestly been at war with myself. And this is something I'm just like in the last few weeks that's really coming into my awareness. So in in conjunction with listening to you, I just read the book, The Body is Not an Apology. So I'm getting it from all all different directions. Do you love that book? It's amazing. Yeah. That's it. I just, I just listened to it myself and it was amazing. So realizing that I think is definitely the first step for me. So I don't know how I can reject maybe the diet mentality if I don't even have awareness that I am at war with myself, that I am working against myself essentially. Yeah. Can I ask you? You don't have to answer if you don't want to, but I'm oh, you can curious ask. what you said that you're not happy with where you're, you are in your body right now or what, with your body right now. What are you not happy with? So I have not been happy with the weight that I've had since I had Logan. Mm -hmm. So I've never really lost my baby weight after I had him. Mm -hmm. And I have not been happy since. So I have done the I'm keeping all of my clothes because I'm going to fit back in them someday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, all of those things. And I'm just now really realizing how detrimental that is to myself, like const it's a constantly, and I preach this all the time to my clients. Like the more you beat yourself up, the further in the hole you go. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I did not equate that to my physical body. Mm, Yeah. So what you're Mm -hmm. talking about, about not wanting to get rid of your clothes is actually that relates to principle number eight, which I I think it's eight body respect your body. When we hold on, when we wear clothes that don't fit us, or we hold on to clothes that don't fit us, we're not respecting our body for what it is now. And so having clothes that fit you and that feel good and comfortable is one aspect of respecting your body. And having that hanging on to old clothes that are smaller, right, isn't respecting your body Mm -hmm. either because you're like, you know, waiting and hoping for it to be different. What makes you unhappy about the size of your body right now? I want it to be smaller. How come? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's honestly a few reasons. And I'm glad you asked this because this is one of my questions for you, too. I have some health issues. Mm -hmm. So... I, my dad had major heart issues. I, a couple of years ago, I got put on heart blood pressure medication Uh 
And I feel like that's directly related to my weight. How does intuitive eating fit into that too? Because I, I, I have this fear if I listen to my body, if I eat what I want to eat, I'm going to gain weight and make my health worse rather than doing what needs to be done for it. Does that make sense? Totally does. Yeah. And it's a super common question. And what, and you said some things that are wrapped. So all of the principles are all totally related to each other and they all rely on each other. And you really have to kind of work through like reject the diet mentality is the first one for a reason. Honor your health with gentle nutrition is the last one for a reason, you know, and you can't jump ahead to like, I'm just going to honor my health with gentle nutrition if you have not grappled with the nine principles before it. Mm-hmm. And that's really important because what happens is, is, and I know it doesn't sound like I'm answering your question, but I will. I will. If you jump to like the number nine, number 10 principles too soon, you're going to turn intuitive eating into a diet and, you know, turn these into rules basically. And that's not what they are. So first of all, the health issue, you are on medication for blood pressure, you said, right? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and that the blood pressure concern that you have, it might be related to weight. It might not. Here's a big thing is that correlation is not causation. And there's a lot of research and evidence out there that shows that those things are not necessarily related, but we believe that they are because of diet culture again. So paying attention to your blood pressure, yeah, that's really important, but losing weight isn't necessarily the answer. There are lots of small people in the world that have blood pressure issues. In intuitive eating, instead of having a focus on weight loss, we focus more on, on habits, like how are you taking care of your body? right? How, how are, are you moving your body? Are you respecting your body? Mental health and stress play a huge role in affecting our body. So a lot of people in our culture define health as health equals small body. <laughs> and that's like the whole definition. My definition of health now that I practice intuitive eating is very, it's really broad, much wider now. Health includes your mental health, your stress level, your physical abilities and, you know, and and blood pressure and cholesterol. There's a lot of numbers and measurements that we can be looking at other than the number on the scale. So I don't know if that answers your question about that aspect of it. But what if they are correlated? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then, then what do you do? (laughs) Yeah. So if they, if they are correlated, then, so here's the other thing. Something that you also brought up is this concept of making peace with food, which is principle three, I think. So you said, I'm afraid that if I let myself eat whatever I want, I'm just going to eat all the, what, what would you eat all of? What would you eat? Uh, Pasta, Uh ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Pasta and ice cream. So the reason that you feel that way is that you haven't made peace with those foods. Those foods have a power over you, like you're drawn to them, you want them, right? And the reason that that is, is because you have it in your mind or you feel that you need to restrict them. When we restrict, we want, (laughs) right? So, and when we allow, when we just allow, the power goes away. And I know that that sounds like 
really? (laughs) But it's so true. It's so true, Sarah. Like, I don't have any foods like that anymore. I used to that had a lot of power over me, but I I use this example over and over again. I feel like a broken record, but ice cream used to have that power over me. And now ice cream sits in my freezer for months and I don't touch it. And it's not because I don't like ice cream anymore. I like it. And I, when I eat it, I enjoy it, but it doesn't have a power over me because I know I'm allowed to eat it. And there's an exercise that I do with clients where when they have, we work with one food at a time, but let's say it was pasta or it was ice cream. And I say, what if you allowed yourself to eat as much pasta as you wanted for the next, like, let's say our appointment was going to be next week. And between now and next week, you allow yourself to eat as much pasta as you want. You're allowed to eat pasta for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. How, mm-hmm. how does that sound to you? Like eating pasta for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the next five days. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. if you allowed, if you just said, yeah, okay, I'm going to, I'm allowed, allow, allowing myself to do that. You'd probably get, you might eat it for two or three meals. I don't know. And then you'd be uh-huh. like, no, thanks. I don't really want pasta. What would you, what do you think you might want after you ate like three meals of pasta? More pasta. <laughs> okay. After four <laughs> meals, cream. five meals. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, I guess, mm-hmm. because yeah, that's the thing. I've never, I, I've never done it. So yeah. Yeah, I guess you're making your point in that we don't know because we've probably, we've never tried it. It's more, probably more of an irrational fear just based on what we think might happen. Yeah. Should we allow ourselves to go down that road? Yeah. But I think it's so interesting because my word for this year is allow. And you just said it twice. And I'm like, damn it. That's how. <laughs> yes. <laughs> damn it. But the other piece that I want to talk about too, because I, I do feel like this is all intertwined is I've been really interested to know like how, the, how trauma fits in with this mm. because I have early childhood sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. I know for me that I disconnected from my body at a very young age. Mm -hmm. I think trauma is something that disconnects us from our body. It's something that makes us feel like we can't trust our bodies. We shouldn't listen to our bodies. There's something wrong with our bodies in a whole other level, right? And so how do you work with clients who have had past trauma? Mm -hmm. Really good question. And I acknowledge it and I'm going to come back. I wanted to make sure that I, I don't know that I really answered your question about what if for health reasons, you actually do need to lose weight because I was talking about making peace with food. And I guess my point with that was just that everybody's body is going to respond differently. But usually when somebody starts intuitive eating and they start to allow all foods, they often their weight will increase because now they're, especially if they've been doing a lot of restricting. And so then they'll, it'll increase. But what eventually happens with patience and with commitment to this, this uh, process is that our body finds its happy place and it finds the place where it is meant to be. And we call that the, the set point range because it's a range. Nobody's body is actually meant to just stay at the same exact weight for their entire life but it's like a 10 to 20 pound range that where your body is, I just, I call it your happy place, but your body, you will find that it just takes people different amounts of time. And so there's, that's a process as well. So I just wanted to address that. But when making peace with food is a huge part of that, 
because people are who are maybe overeating or undereating, once they make peace with food, they are eating what is the good amount for them. About your other question, trauma. So you know a lot more about trauma than me, meaning, and I don't mean personally. <laughs> I mean, I mean in your work. Yeah. You work, you're a therapist and you work with people who have trauma, but there's a lot of reasons why people are disconnected from their body. It can be pretty scary to be in touch with your body and to listen to your body. And I think whether you've had actual trauma or whether for whatever reason, people are afraid to feel, right? People are afraid to feel because I'm a coach I can't really work directly with like severe trauma. And I would refer in that case to a therapist, Mm -hmm. but I definitely work with people on practicing feeling, feeling their feelings, feeling their body, getting in touch with those signals that their body is giving them. I mean, um, honor your hunger and feeling your fullness. Those are two of the principles is all about feeling. I have a client that I was working with the other day and she's like, when I feel hungry, I question it. She's like, I feel the feelings that I I think, I think, I think I'm hungry, but what if I'm not hungry? And what if I eat and I'm not actually hungry and then that's wrong. And, you know, and it's like, whoa, we need to, to trust that. And also, does it even matter? What if you're not hungry and you eat? Oh, well, You're listening to a podcast on the Loudspeaker Network. To find other podcasts and unique programming, visit www.loudspeaker.fm. Loudspeaker, diverse voices, unique sound. Feminist Hot Dog is back with a new season packed with awesome interviews with icons, artists, innovators, authors, and lots of surprises. Whether you consider yourself a hardcore feminist or you're feeling feminist curious, tune in Wednesday nights at 8 Mountain and get all the information and inspiration you need to live your best feminist life. Listen Wednesdays on Loudspeaker and Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, love yourself and love your buns. Reminds me, I hear that like stat, like, 80% of the time when you're, when you think you're hungry, you're actually thirsty. I always think about that. I always think about that. Like, oh, maybe I just need some water. I don't need to eat. Yeah. (laughs) I don't like that stupid stat. (laughs) (laughs) We need to feed our bodies. And that's a diet culture thing right there. What you just said, because that's a Mm -hmm. don't eat, don't eat, do anything but eat. Right. Fill your body with water so that you don't feel hungry. I mean, water is really important. We need to drink water. Totally. I'm please nobody think I'm saying don't drink water, but I'm saying if you're hungry, you need to eat food. And if you're not sure if you're hungry, you probably need to eat food. Because mm-hmm. one way that we find out if that if that signal was hunger or not is to eat some food and go, hmm, that actually didn't really satisfy me. Maybe it's something else. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's something else. And so, and principle number um, seven, cope with your emotions with kindness is about that. We have a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions, a lot of stuff, right? And sometimes food helps with that. And sometimes we need something else. So then that I, the reason that's my favorite principle is because that's about self-care. 
And it's about knowing what you need for self-care. And when I'm feeling, you know, if you're feeling hungry, eat food. If you're, if you learn that food helps you calm down when you feel anxious, eat something when you feel anxious, if that helps you feel calm. Right. But if, if food isn't helping the anxiety, then what can help the anxiety? And you need to know that, like, do I need to take a walk? Do I need to meditate? Do I need to sing a song? Do I need to listen to music? Whatever. But for some people eating something helps calm them. And that's Mm -hmm. totally appropriate. Yes. You're referring to the people who are saying they're emotional eaters. I am. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And being an emotional eater is really looked down upon like, oh, that's bad. You know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, no. We don't want to be an emotional eater. No, no, no. What I would say is we don't want to fill, we don't want to fill a hole with food that needs to be filled with something else. Because sometimes, I mean, there's, that's a problem if we're like, just filling ourselves up with food. I mean, we're not dealing with what's really going on, mm-hmm. but there's nothing wrong with eating something if that's helpful for you. Mm-hmm. That's an important distinction, I think, because mm-hmm. they're two different things. Yep. Sometimes my like when I'm bored, my mouth just kind of needs like some stimulation, <laughs> you know? And Totally. So then yeah. it's like, well, it would be kind of fun right now to eat some popcorn or, or eat some ice cream. And that is okay. It is okay to do that if it takes care of whatever that issue was. It's just, but here we go again. It's about getting in touch with yourself and trusting and asking. It's like, what do I need right now? Yeah, that's that part's huge. And you said that during your video series. That's something that I don't do Mm -hmm. that I'm very much trying to come back to. Like, what do I feel like eating? What do I really want? What would nourish my body? Like, what does my body need? You said something about how you'll take just a bite of a couple of things. Yeah. I was totally laughing, like imagining your pantry with all these things with like one bite taken out of them. <laughs> yes. Yep. But I was like, whoa, like what a concept. Like you can do that. You can just take one bite and, and say, hmm, is this what I'm wanting? Yep. I do. I've gotten to the point now that I don't need to literally take the bite because I'm I've kind of in a different place now with it, but I can imagine the food. Like, do I want a cookie? Mm, no. Do I want a carrot? Mm, maybe, not sure. Do I want cucumber or whatever? And then I taste it without really tasting it. And then I can answer that question for myself. But if you're in the if you're just starting out with this and you're hungry and you need to figure out what's going to be satisfying to you take a bunch of stuff out, take a bite of them. And maybe by the time you take like bites of eight things, you're like, I'm good now. I don't actually need anything else that was satisfying Mm -hmm. enough. Or maybe you eat a whole sandwich or whatever. That's a whole other thing. Like we judge ourselves for, well, I just ate dinner, so I shouldn't be hungry now. And it's like, if you just ate dinner and you still feel hungry, eat right? And if you feel hungry to eat, you want to eat a whole sandwich, eat a whole sandwich. If you just need like a bite of some, for me, after I eat dinner, I usually need a bite of something sweet, but it's like a bite now for me. It's not like I need the whole thing. It's about the satisfaction factor. That's again, one of the principles. (laughs) What's going to satisfy me right now? And I know I talked in one of my videos about the satisfaction factor that diet culture tells us, oh, you don't really need to eat a cookie. 
you can eat something that would replace the cookie. <laughs> like totally whatever. Yes. Here's this protein bar that tastes like a cookie. And so we go, well, I'd, I'm going to eat the protein bar because that's healthier for me, uh, which who the heck knows if that's actually healthier. I mean, what is in those things anyway? I don't know. But so you eat a protein bar that was supposed to take taste like a chocolate chip cookie and you're still thinking about a chocolate chip cookie. And nine times out of 10, you're going to end up going and you might eat like three or four chocolate chip cookies at that point because you've been thinking about them so much. When if you had just said, I feel like a chocolate chip cookie and you just eat one and pay attention to it. Another piece of this is eating it mindfully, really tasting it. You're going to just eat the chocolate chip cookie and feel satisfied when you, you, know, you could have just done that to begin with. Yeah. This has brought awareness to me too about like paying attention while you're eating it. Mm -hmm. I, I have this mentality for some reason, I'm sure it comes from my parents about not wasting things. You know, you absolutely should not be wasteful. So don't waste your food. Don't waste, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know this as a therapist, how, detrimental it is to have our kids finish their plate. Yes. Like you have to finish your plate. Yeah. So detrimental to their relationship with food and not trusting their body. So I'm sure for me, that's where it started because I had to finish my plate. I couldn't waste anything. Mm -hmm. And so I realize now I probably eat past when I'm satisfied because I don't want to waste my food. Absolutely. I think so many of us have that. And I know, I think our generation, I know you and I are like the same age. We were kind of raised with that. Like there's kids starving in other countries. Right. And so you need to be grateful for your food. And I mean, and that's true. I get that. It's not a, that's the true thing. Still true. One thing I think about that is, and so to separate that sort of from like a diet culture message and to, that's more of like an, a value. It's important to honor our values and, and our ethical beliefs or all of that. So what we talk to our kids about and not in like a rule kind of way or a strict kind of way is just like, you can always get more food if you want it. So like, so that we don't waste food, like don't take like, well, like my six-year-old, she want, she always wants like 10 chicken nuggets, right? And then she only ends up eating like two of them. And that's fine. I'm so glad she eats however many it takes her to feel satisfied and honor her fullness. I don't want her to eat 10 if she doesn't want 10. But we start off with like, I'm going to give you three chicken nuggets. If you want more chicken nuggets, you can have more chicken nuggets. There's plenty of chicken nuggets for you. But let's not take 10 because we know that you don't normally eat 10. And I do the same thing for myself. Like now I have a pretty good awareness of my hunger level and how much I want to eat, but I know that I can always eat more if I want to. It's like a reframe yep. essentially. Yep. Yeah. I know foods that my body doesn't like. Yep. My tongue swells is something that happens when I eat foods like tomatoes or hummus or mm. a few other things, mm-hmm. but forever I'm like, oh, but I like it. So I'm just going to keep eating it uh-huh. and, deal, and deal with my tongue swelling, which is wild. Pineapple's another one. It sucks because I love pineapple. Oh, yeah. Pineapple. Yeah. But that message of, I don't like this. This isn't good for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sit well with me. And I think that so often we just totally ignore. Yeah 
those messages all together. So to be able to start from a young age, like what makes you full, what makes you feel good? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's such a gift to our children. For sure. I've listened to podcasts and read articles and things too about how to practice intuitive eating with your children. I mean, there's so much to this. Oh my gosh, it's such a huge topic. Here's another one about, and this relates to making peace with food, is this food neutrality that there's no value, there's no moral value attached to food. Like we in diet culture believe like a cookie is bad, a carrot is good, right? But within intuitive eating, all food is neutral. Yes, they have different nutritional values. So I'm not talking about the nutritional value. I'm talking about the moral value of the food. You are not a bad person if you like to eat French fries. You're not a bad person if you eat French fries. French fries are not a bad food. They're delicious, right? And if you like to eat them, good for you, eat them. And also... (laughs) here we go to gentle nutrition, the 10th principle. Also, it's probably a good idea for you to eat some vegetables too, right? But our body will ask for vegetables. I think we don't believe that our body will ask for vegetables, <laughs> but it will. So back to the kid thing, we don't actually do this in our house, but but a recommendation is to put all the foods on your kid's plate, like including dessert. Like when you serve dinner, having like if dessert is a brownie or something, putting the brownie and the chicken and the broccoli and the potato or whatever, all on the plate at the same time. And the child gets to decide what order they eat it in and what what they eat. They might only eat the brownie mm-hmm. and that's okay because it's just showing them that all those foods are equal. We don't do that in our house because that was not what we were doing before, but we do have a very neutral approach to eating dessert. Dessert is offered every night at our house. And it's not like you have to finish your dinner in order to get dessert. It's not like there's no nothing tied to it. It's just we always eat dinner and we also always offer dessert. And my mm-hmm. kids, some nights, and I have three kids and they're not always on the, they don't all want the same thing. Some nights they want dessert. Some nights they don't. Last night, my girls both ate dessert. My son didn't eat dessert. He just, no thanks, don't want it tonight, which is insane to me because before we were started practicing that all my kids were like wanting dessert constantly for every meal, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, <laughs> it's challenging me because yeah. I often say to Logan, you need to eat something good for you mm-hmm. before you can have something not good for you because a brownie is not like the nutritional value of a brownie. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful where chicken or like something that's going to give nutritional value. Cause I, I've always been worried about like his growth and getting enough, like of what he needs. So that challenges me. It's difficult because he is a sweet child too. I feel like that's all he would eat, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. (laughs) I'll tell you, I've been through the process with three children now of switching over from them all being like sugar fiends to now, like I just said, we offer dessert every night and they don't always take it. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I have to let that one soak in a little bit. (laughs) I know. I hear you. I'm not, I don't, I'm not judging at all. I I hear it big time. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just a completely different way Mm -hmm. of thinking when it, 
comes to food. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, I love it. You're shaking up my you're shaking up my world, Juliet. <laughs> I love doing that. <laughs> I love shaking up people's world. That's one reason I think I love this is because people are like, what'd you say? <laughs> and I just I'm like, it's right. I just am mm-hmm. so when I discovered this. I felt like I was coming home to what I'm supposed to be doing and sharing. It's truth for me. I want actually, I don't know if it's the right time for this, but I wanted to read this little very short. I got this new book yesterday that was written by Evelyn Triboli, one of the co-authors of Intuitive Eating. She came out with this new book and it's called Intuitive Eating for Every Day. And there's like a little intuitive eating practice for each day. But in the introduction, she says, can I read this? Yeah, please. She says, may you have unconditional self-regard. May you have peace with your body and mind. May you reclaim and reconnect to the pleasure of eating. May you be liberated from suffering. Love, Evelyn. Wow. I I just got it yesterday, but it seems like it's amazing. And that message, that's what this is about for me, is like unconditional self-regard, peace, reconnection, liberation from suffering. Mm -hmm. I feel like we equate that so often to mental only. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. and and the body gets completely left out. Yep. It has for me personally. Mm -hmm. My body has always been the last priority, always. Yeah. Actually, an aha moment for me when I was reading uh, The Body is Not an Apology is when she talks about she talks about the story of a girl who had always been disconnected from her body and saw herself more. Her body was not really even a part of her. And then not until she got cancer was she able to understand that her body was her and, and make that connection. And I'm like, well, shit, I don't want to have to get sick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have to get sick to reincorporate my body into myself. Right. So many of us are walking around detached from our body and we're just like heads. Right. And our mind is listening to what we're being told. Lose weight be small. There was an Instagram post yesterday. This is Kirsten Ackerman. She's a registered dietitian that I follow on Instagram. And she wrote, sometimes I still want to be in a smaller body, but then I realize what I actually want is what I think a smaller body will give me to feel safe, to feel loved, to feel accepted, to feel liked by others, to feel validated. And these desires are workable in my current body. Mm, It's good. Yeah. It resonated with me because that's what we all want. We all want to feel safe, loved, accepted, liked, and validated. And diet culture tells us we can only have those things if we're in a smaller body. Another piece of intuitive eating is that all bodies deserve dignity. We don't need to get into all of this right now, but it's actually this intuitive eating is actually a social justice movement as well. I was actually going to ask you about that. So I'm glad that you went there. It's a social justice movement as well, because look at this. We don't, in our culture, we don't accept bodies that are other colors other than white. We don't accept bodies that are bigger um, than, a, you know, average, a size that's comfy for us, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. what we're comfortable with. 
So it's really, it's about accepting all bodies, all sizes, all shapes, all colors. And fat phobia is rampant. When we talk about racism, we talk about being, yeah, fat phobia is there too. We have preconceived ideas about what a person in a fat body, what that means about them, what their lifestyle is like. They must be unhealthy. They must be lazy. They must be whatever. They must eat bad food, right? We judge. And when we want to lose weight and we're afraid of the size of the body that we're in, we have to look at our own fat phobia. I've been learning a lot about food deserts and how those relate to racism. Are you, Do you know what those are? No. What is that? So it'd be interesting because it, it makes me wonder like how this fits in with that. Mm-hmm. So it's really essentially, and hopefully I explain this somewhat correctly. It's essentially in lower income neighborhoods, not giving people access to healthy, nutritious foods. So only having gas stations, not having any grocery stores, not having any places where people in lower income neighborhoods can have access to food that's nutritious for their bodies. Yep. There's a lot of injustices up out there with, I mean, oh my gosh, this is a huge thing. But if you think about too, like white privilege, especially amongst like white privileged women, there's this whole thing of like only eat organic and I can only eat this food and I can only eat that food and da, da, da. And if you look, and then it's like, <laughs> look at what other people are. The fact that you're even able to eat those foods means that you are from a certain community, right? And there's communities that don't even have access to that. And if we're saying you are only healthy, if you are able to eat clean and organic and, you know, 90% raw food or whatever, Mm -hmm. what are we saying about the people that don't have access to that? And I mean, yeah, there's a lot of health concerns in communities where, I mean, and because food nutrition is really important. Mm -hmm. It is. But when, when, even when I'm talking about allow all foods, like there are communities where they don't have that option to allow all foods. Right. And also another form of racism with this too, is saying like things like rice is bad. Rice is so unhealthy. Rice is, Ooh, that's a carb. I don't eat rice. You know, there are cultures where rice is their most important food. And my husband is from one of those cultures, Japanese, right? In, in yeah. Japanese culture, they eat a ton of rice. And when we say rice is bad, what are we saying about that culture? So there's a lot, there's a lot mm-hmm. in here. There's and pasta, right? What if you're Italian? <laughs> True. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about really kind of crapping all over other people's important culture. When we talk about, oh, I only eat raw food or I'm not bagging on anybody that's making whatever choices. I don't want to sound like that, but yeah, we just need to be aware of where these messages are coming from and who's telling us that this is what we should or shouldn't be eating. If anybody's interested in a book, um, that's a tough, I'm going to be honest. It's a tough read. There's a book that's by Sabrina strings and it's called fearing the black body the racial origins of fat phobia. Mm. And basically what that's about is that this idea of being thin white is beautiful and a black body. I mean, 
a black large body is not mm-hmm. not beautiful. That goes back a long way. So that yeah, fearing the black body, the racial origins of fat phobia, powerful book. Awesome. Thanks mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I mean every time we talk about it though, I get new insights and I get new things where I'm like, okay, I this is challenging me and I love that though. Do you have any tips like quick tips for re-listening to your body, getting back in touch with your body, anything we can start maybe practicing right now that would be helpful? Mm -hmm. So first of all, what I would say before you even start to do that, (laughs) pay attention to what you're consuming, meaning, and I'm not talking about food, (laughs) I'm talking about consuming like in on your social media, in your look around your house, like, do you have like a lot of diet books, diet tools? What do you have? What's surrounding you that's telling you you need to be in a smaller body? And I, I quite a while ago at this point, like flushed out my social media so that I'm no longer following like any accounts that promote diet weight loss, that kind of thing. I follow a ton of accounts now that that promote health at every size and intuitive eating and all of this. Also on your social media, who are you following in terms of the way people look? I started following a lot of women in larger bodies. I follow now a lot of people that are different ethnicities and skin colors from me. Diversify your social media is what I would say. Mm-hmm. And just be aware of that, like clean out the people who are sent giving these messages that are really not healthy messages. So that's one thing. And then in terms of the starting to get in touch with your body, everybody needs to start at a different place. Everybody's in a different place. But one thing is just when you start to hear those messages of like, oh, I shouldn't eat that or I should eat this or whatever, just stop for a second and just like have some awareness of that and check in with when you feel Start paying attention to your signals that your body is giving you that you might be hungry. And if you feel those signals, say, what what would I like to eat right now? What would be like really tasty and really satisfying? And don't put too much pressure on yourself because the other thing is not every single meal is going to be like the most satisfying meal ever. Like sometimes you just need to eat something, (laughs) right? And it's fine. Like there's no judgment here. There's no, give yourself grace. Oh my gosh. I said that in my Instagram series quite a few times. I said, you need to be okay with that this is challenging because it's new and hard and it's not, we're not used to this. And then also mm-hmm. give yourself grace. Yes. So good. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners, they can still go back and watch your Instagram series. It's in my highlights in my on my Instagram page. Yeah. Because each video you dive deeper into the meaning of the principle and give more of an explanation. Yep. Which is so helpful. So, so helpful. But also I think what I would love for people to know, Juliet, is how can they work with you or what are you offering? I know you have a virtual retreat coming up uh, soon that I'm going to be a part of and I'm so excited for. So can you tell us a little bit more about that as well? Yes, I'd love to. So so Stephanie Flanders Martin and myself are hosting a virtual retreat. Stephanie is a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher, and she's amazing. So she'll be bringing those aspects to the retreat. And then I'm going to be bringing intuitive eating to the retreat. It's all virtual. It's called tapping into your inner voice. 
So just as we've been talking about today, like trusting your inner voice and listening to that instead of all that stuff that's on the outside. The retreat is April 16th, 17th, and 18th. And if you're concerned about that being the whole weekend, it's a little bit of time on Friday night, all day Saturday, and then just a little bit of time on Sunday morning. It's going to be amazing. The schedule is very manageable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you need a self-care weekend for yourself, I can't recommend it enough. We're just going to be focusing on you and pampering you. We're sending every participant a special box full of self-care goodies that you'll get to open up and they'll all be revealed over the course of the weekend. So it's going to be really fun. If you love yoga and you love meditation and you want to learn more about intuitive eating and tapping into your voice, I recommend it. And the price is super reasonable. It's $139 for the weekend and you get that box included and we're going to have giveaways also. I will put that link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we only have 20 spots and I think right now we only have maybe 10 spots left or something like that too. So it is, I think it's about half full. Awesome. Yes. And if, what if someone's listening to this after that or what are other ways that they can get connected with you? Yes. I will have your links too as well. Stephanie and I are also going to be offering a four week class in May. It's going to be on Monday evenings in May. And it's the same topics, the meditation, the yoga, and then intuitive eating. Those three things go together really well because intuitive eating is very much about your your body, obviously tuning into your body, mindfulness. So we've come together to put those, those things together in a really nice way. So if you're interested in a, instead of a retreat or in addition to the retreat, a Monday night class for four Mondays that we don't have a sign up for that yet, but people could just contact me and say that they're interested and I'll put them on the interest list for that. Also, if you want to work one-on-one with me, I do work one-on-one with clients and just support you in exactly what you need in regards to intuitive eating. And I offer a complimentary session to start off and just see if we're a good fit and see what I can help you with. So they can contact me for that as well. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for challenging us, (laughs) (laughs) but introducing this, I think it's a newer thing, right? Like this is a newer concept. It's a newer way of, of thinking and seeing the world. And I think a super important shift. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being willing to let me challenge you. Thank you for listening to the WE Podcast. I don't know about you, but this episode has made me even more excited to learn more about intuitive eating and to do the work to get myself more connected to my body. I encourage you to dive in and learn more for yourself because this is such an important piece. Come and join me at the Tapping Into Your Inner Voice virtual retreat in April if you feel like you would like to dive in more. Also, get connected to Juliet and learn more about what she and Stephanie Flanders Martin are doing together as well as separately. So I'd love to hear about your favorite moments from this episode. Find me on social media and let's get connected. This show is produced by Loudspeaker Networks. Also, credit to my talented daughter for creating my show music. 
You can find more of the Wee Podcast as well as many other awesome things on the network at loudspeaker.fm. If you heard something that touched you or taught you in this episode, don't forget to share with your friends. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, show up for the hard conversations, choose growth, and always know that you are not on this journey alone. See you next time. This has been a production of Loudspeaker Networks. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.fm.